Welcome to Inside the Draft, a weekly preview of the upcoming NFL Draft with insiders from around the country. Welcome back again to Inside the Draft here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm Matt Taylor, joined by Casey Vallier in studio. Coming to you from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. This is our weekly look at the NFL Draft. Coming to you a little bit earlier in the week than we normally do. That's because we are busy. Loaded up this week on the podcast channel. Tuesday, we'll have the official Colts podcast talking draft as usual. And then a special edition of Inside Football with Rick Venturi. We'll get Rick's take on the upcoming draft and what he thinks the Colts should be up to at the fourth overall pick. That's coming up later this week. That's going to come out on Thursday, and then we'll have more conversations with Colts players uh, this week. They're back in the building for week number two of the offseason workout program. But joining us today to talk about the NFL draft, our good friend Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network. Ian, good to have you back on, man. How you doing today? Doing good, doing good. It's an exciting one. Uh, I remember talking last cycle. You know, every cycle brings unique, you know, differences, right? But I think this class especially – there's a lot to talk about, and especially with the Colts, right, at fourth overall. Mm-hmm. You know, who's the QB going to be? That's the headliner. But I also think, you know, in the later rounds, too, there's a lot of depth at positions of need, and I think that'll present some exciting opportunities, too. So yep. a lot to talk about, a lot of grounds to cover, and, you know, hey, that's what we signed up for this time of year. So it's a great time. Yeah, let's go. Let's get right into it. Uh, looking at your stuff, your latest mock draft, you've got Anthony Richardson going number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, not Bryce Young, not C.J. Stroud. You've got Anthony Richardson, numero uno. How did you land on that decision, and what makes you confident that he is worthy of that designation? I'll tell you, man, I might as well just put you know names in a hat. But it really is that close between the top few guys. For me. I think you can make viable arguments for all of them. I mean, for Anthony Richardson, you know, and I mentioned it in the mock, but you know, the, the, the moral of the story with him is you know, if you have the necessary infrastructure to get him to his ceiling, then that's an investment you make because his ceiling you know, is the highest in the QB class. It's the highest from the past five QB classes. He is a you know phenomenal athlete. The four four speed at six four two forty four. A tank is a runner, and he's got a rocket arm too. I mean, all the tools are there to mold. All that's left to, to discern is you know whether we're willing to make that investment. So I think the Panthers, in particular, the reason that I I figured they were worthy of making that pick is that they have that bridge QB with Andy Dalton. Frank Reich is a very experienced offensive coach. You know who knows how to coach those guys up. They have a strong offensive line. I think the supporting cast is there to help bring up a guy like Richardson. But at the same time, you know, it could just as easily be Bryce Young with his it factor, with his you know, mm-hmm. instincts in chaotic situations. It could just as easily be C.J. Stroud. I love his fit with Frank Reich, and, you know, I think he is a, a good mix of high floor and high ceiling traits. So, you know, it could be any one of them. And that's why every mock draft I do, I try to mix it up a little bit and not stick to one guy. Uh, this particular one, you know, I think Richardson's upside was what kind of gave me the edge a little bit, but it truly is too close to call. And it's you got to be careful this time of year, too, because it's smoke screen season. You know, you, you never can be sure if what you're hearing is what's actually going to happen. And so, and we've heard that the Panthers aren't sold, you know, they're not 100% on any guy. So it might go down to the wire. But I, I think there's a number of candidates, and it feels wrong to rule any of them out. Ian, is, is Richardson ready to go right now? I mean, is he a day one starter? for whichever team drafts him because I've been saying it all along just he's such an enigma based on his small sample size but his skill set and his potential is just off the charts I mean he's gone from this guy that's this intriguing 
athletic guy at, at, at Florida to this can't-miss prospect. Where are you on, on his ability to come in and play right away based on the only the 13 games we saw of him in a Florida Gator uniform? Yeah, for sure. I think the discourse, you know, sometimes it gets a little, you know, like, oh, he's going to, you know, flame out if he doesn't start early. I, I don't think that's the case. Now, I do think there are things, I mean, naturally with any player who, like you said, he only started one full season at Florida, he doesn't have a lot of games under his belt, so he's got to get more experience and more reps, I think, will help him being so young. And you look at the Florida tape, I mean, there's some, you can kind of pinpoint areas where he needs to improve. He can sync up more often mechanically. The lower body and upper body can be out of sync a little bit. You know, the accuracy, situational accuracy can improve at times. Uh, that said, he did have one of the highest drop rates among QBs last year. So, you know, people point to the completion percentage, right? But, you know, even that needs a little more context. But I do think Richardson can start early in his career. Would I roll him out day one? Maybe I'd prefer to have a bridge QB for the first few weeks, right? But I do think, especially with Richardson, people point to his ceiling, you know, the high upside traits. But I actually think mobility, you know, elite creation capacity, what he has can help a QB adjust early on. You know, it can help you with stand adversity. You can build that offense around his running ability, you know, and help him ease in while he's developing as a passer. So I like how that gives him an extra dynamic in that context. And I think, you know, yeah, he'll take his lumps early on, right, with any QB who's got a big arm. You know, he's going to take some risks that might not pan out. But I do think there's an avenue to ease him in with that elite running ability while he develops on the other side. So, you know, I don't think, you know, it's not going to be the smoothest transition, but it's not a, it's not a matter of, oh, you know, it's going to flame out. It's going to crash and burn if you do play him early on. I think there's a there's a lane to, to take where he can start early on and can produce. Now, with the quarterback, it's always about fit. That's the most important part. And that's how sometimes you see some of these quarterbacks, they just fizzle out and it's because the pieces weren't there and it just it didn't work at that, at that time for that specific team. When you look at the top four picks in your latest mock and the teams that they're going to, you got the Panthers, Texans, Raiders, and the Colts. Which of those teams do you think right now has the best opportunity for these four quarterbacks to go? Because that is so important when you look at fit. Yeah, fit is a big thing, and you know, not just fit, but having the necessary supporting talent, right? You know, to kind of bring these guys in and make sure that they're not, you know, encountering too much adversity early on. Obviously, adversity is something that you can't really avoid at the NFL level. It's just naturally going to come. But we've seen time and time again promising QB prospects who just don't quite reach their ceiling because they're not adequately supported. That said, I think the Panthers are in a great spot. You know, we go back to the offensive line, the bridge quarterback, the weapons that they have. You know, I think they are steadily building up. I like how the Colts are set up, too. I think they can still add a little bit more on the weapons front, but I do think Shane Steichen, especially, you know, a very good offensive mind who's proven that he can build an offense and kind of blend it around a QB's strength. So that's why, me in particular, I, I really like the fit with Richardson to Indianapolis if he makes it to four as well because Steichen has proven, you know, with Jalen Hurts that he can build an offense around a running quarterback, that he can kind of play the offense to that QB's strengths and not force the QB into an offense that he's, that's not natural for him. And on top of that, too, Steichen loves to threaten vertically, right? You know, and I think that Richardson and Will Levis in particular are two guys that have the arm strength to threaten the defense vertically and kind of push the ball into those tight windows down the field. So, you know, it's stuff like that. You know, it's supporting cast. It's, you know, the offensive fit as well, the stylistic fit. But, you know, it, when you go through that and then the supporting talent, I think the Panthers have the best equation right now. But I do think all these teams have certain elements. I think the Texans with Bobby Fovic coming from Shanahan system, right? That's a very QB-friendly system. I would love to see Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud in that system. 
And the Raiders, the Raiders are at the bottom of the pack, I think, in that conversation. You know, whether you're ready to support a QB early, they need to keep supporting that offensive line. They need to add a few more weapons, right? But I do think, you know, all these teams have some of the pieces. I think the Panthers have the most complete puzzle right now. But, you know, I'd be curious to see all these QBs because I, I, I do think there are pieces in place there. Now, one of the things that's kind of took the NFL by storm last year was Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. And with that being said, you talk about the importance of quarterback. Do you think this year in the draft we're going to see, I don't know necessarily number-wise, but more teams taking swings later in the draft on some of these, you know, you look at traits that some of these quarterbacks can have later in the draft than kind of going through that process of hoping to get an undrafted guy when they're weeding through a handful of offers? Yeah, you know, I think we could see that for sure. I mean, you know, you never want to be backed into a corner at QB, right? And especially for some teams that have long-term uncertainty at the position, you know, maybe teams like the Browns or the Broncos, you know, that's one where you're looking at, hey, we're not going to take a guy early. Those teams in particular don't have the capital to take quarterbacks early. But going later in the draft, you know, taking a swing on a guy who could have those traits to, you know, maybe move into a starting role if you really need him to in a pinch and, Maybe perform admirably. You know, I look I look at guys like Clayton Toon from Houston, Jake Hayner from Fresno State. I think Toon is a gunslinger. He's a gamer, very competitive, but he also tested very well. I think he ran a four six. I think a vertical jump in the thirty seven inch range. You know, for his size, around six three two ten. You know, that's a very good testing result. And then on top of that, he's very productive at Houston. You know, he's a guy who has the arm enough talent to kind of force it in. And then Jake Hayner is a guy that I really like. He's another very tough competitor. But he's shown that he can anticipate windows, too, and he's got enough arm elasticity to layer it into tight windows. So guys like that, you know, and then Dorian Thompson-Robinson from UCLA, Malik Cunningham is getting some interest from Louisville, uh, Tyson Bajan from Shepard even, a guy who kind of showed some flashes at the Senior Bowl. So there are guys that have the traits worth taking a swing on in the later rounds. Obviously, I think it's going to be exclusive with teams that have that long-term uncertainty QB or teams that, you know, have an excess of picks later on so you can afford to do that, right? I think there's there's depth at a lot of positions in this class and that's going to you know hamstring some teams in the day three range because there will be good players available in that range you know at other positions as well so it's going to be a tough decision for a lot of teams but I think the success of Brock Purdy in particular you know QB is such an important position yeah you need to make sure you have your guy but if he can't go out for some reason you also need to make sure that you're in good hands with whoever's next and I think there are a few guys in this class in particular who could fill that role. Ian, what needs to happen at the top of the draft for things to get interesting around picks three and four? Obviously, the Cardinals there at three, Colts are at four. What needs to happen for the Colts to all of a sudden get that sense of urgency and think about going up one spot to potentially get a quarterback? That's the first part of the question. Second part is, who are are some other teams that might be flirting uh, with that third pick with the Cardinals to maybe leapfrog the Colts and, and really make this thing interesting and, and screw it all up at the top of the draft. Yeah, it's tough, man. It really is. It's tough to get a read on it because I think all four of these QBs have franchise upside, right? So I don't think I, – I, me personally on my board, I have it Stroud, Richardson, Young in this really tight cluster at the top. Levis is a little bit farther down for me. I still think he's worthy of first-round consideration for sure. But, you know, let's say they kind of come to a similar conclusion. We're like, hey, we really like these three guys. We're not quite as high on this guy. So, like, maybe if there's only one left at number three, they'd be willing to make a slight trade up, give up capital just to ensure that they get one of the higher guys. You know, I think that could be a scenario, right? Like, let's say Richardson goes number one to the Panthers. Let's say Bryce Young goes number two to the Texans because we've heard that the Texans really like him and he'd be a great fit in that Shanahan offense. DJ Stroud is there at number three. You know, if you're the Colts looking at that, 
that's a passer who can come in right away on day one. He's got great anticipation and eye discipline and processing speed over the middle of the field. He's a phenomenal pocket operator, very, very accurate. He's got arm talent. He's got mobility as well. That's a guy that, you know, if it's between him and Levis, I would be more I would be more partial to Stroud for sure. And so if you're if you're the Colts, you really can't leave this draft without a young QB that you're that you are, you know, bullish on. Maybe that's a scenario where you start to feel the urgency. The seat starts to get a little bit hotter and you're like, maybe we should make a call and see if we can move up, you know, and, and kind of block out other teams. The Colts have working in their favor, they have that fourth pick, right? And the Cardinals need blue chip talent. So it would behoove the Cardinals to not move down too far. You know, if they can move to four and still get Will Anderson, that's a win for them, right? So I look at that as something that's working in the Colts' favor. But that's a scenario where I could see. Like, let's say the Colts have a specific passer that they like more than the alternative. That might force them into a corner. But again, I think all four quarterbacks have franchise upside. And I think ultimately the Colts do have a good supporting system for them, particularly with Steichen, who's proven that he can work with young QBs. In regards to the second question, I think the Titans could be a team that we're looking at. You know, the Raiders obviously have been kind of in that conversation. Jimmy Garoppolo is a bridge QB, but that's kind of all he is, right? So if there is if there's a guy they really like that's there at three, they could make a move up. I look at the Titans, right? They have Ryan Tannehill, but he's not a long-term solution. Malik Willis is reportedly falling out of favor. That's another one where Rand Carthon coming over from San Francisco, trying, you know, kind of making a new era for them. Let's say he has a guy that he really likes that's there. He could be aggressive, kind of restart the ship, and that could be an option for them. And then one more that I throw out there is the Patriots. We've heard that Mac Jones has kind of fallen out of favor in the locker room there, and we know the Patriots love to make bold moves in the draft, whether it's later in round one or early in round one. Uh, so I could see them making that trade as well if there's a guy that they really like. Now, the quarterback best friend is his weapons, and in this year's draft, the wide receiver group is down from what we've seen over the past handful of years with historic wide receiver classes. Is there anything to I, I heard someone say that, they're thinking the logic behind it is there's guys that are lower on the depth chart behind these guys that are being drafted really high at the wide receiver spot and flipping to corner, and you're starting to kind of see the game move to like a bigger corner, your sauce gardeners, your wool in last year, these bigger corners. Is is there anything to that that maybe you're seeing the, the, the smaller receiver in this class and the bigger corner, and the corner has the more upside right now? Yeah, that's actually interesting. It's something I, I haven't thought about, you know, what I chalk, chalk it up to is, you know, there are fluctuations from class to class, right? You know, I, I think that's that would be what I'd be more willing to err towards because I know next year in particular there's going to be a lot of talent. You know, you got Marvin Harrison Jr., you got Aranda Gadsden from Syracuse, you've got other guys too like Mega Buka, uh, Xavier Worthy, right? So, you know, it, it's very possible that this is just a slight blip, you know, in what's otherwise been a golden age for wide receiver talent. Yeah, and again, too, we don't know how this class is going to produce down the road, right? Like it might look under, uh, kind of underdeveloped on the surface, but there are a lot of potential sleepers in this class uh, that I'm a big fan of personally. You know, guys like Jonathan Mingo at Ole Miss. You know, you got Tyler Scott, who I'm the Colts from Cincinnati, another speed guy. Uh, so there, there's, I think there is depth in this class. You know, there is underrated talent. It does look a little bit weaker, and I do think there is a shift, kind of. You know, you are seeing more athletic corners, longer corners. It's definitely that size-speed combo is becoming more and more valued. Uh, I point to, you know, Michigan is a good example. This offseason, Amorian Walker, a high-level recruit at wide receiver, making the switch to corner. I think he's 6'3", 6'4", right? So we are seeing that more and more, where guys who have that skill set are moving over, and that could be hampering the depth and, you know, kind of making it harder for receivers to succeed. But, you know, I would need to do a more independent study on that. Me personally, 
I think it's just a fluctuation. And also, I think, you know, we need to be outcome independent, right? You know, like we have evaluations with these wide receivers, but we really don't know how they're going to pan out. And again, so much of it is dependent on landing spots. So I, I do think it's a deep class. I think it's not, not as overwhelming up top, but I do think there is enough depth to where if you get the guys in the right situation, it could pay off dividends down the line. Now, one of the groups that has been labeled as very, very high end is the tight end group. And I know you see guys like Travis Kelsey who kind of put a whole new meaning to what a tight end is in the NFL. Do you think there's anything where teams are going to look at the the pass catchers in general, not just lumping it receiver tight end and take a tight end? Maybe they don't need one, but just because of what a guy like a Travis Kelsey shows you can do inside an offense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, kind of tying that to the last question, you know, some teams might not be as high on the wide receiver class and thinking like, hey, we don't need, you know, we don't necessarily need a wide receiver or need a tight end. What we need is weapons, right? Right. So maybe they look at that and they say, hey, let's get a guy. You know, that's actually a thought process that I went through with the uh, Buffalo Bills in my latest mock draft. I gave them Dalton Kincaid in round one. He's a tight end who's actually been comp to Kelsey at times. Not my comp for him, right? You know, I think you want to be careful with comps to Kelsey. But, yeah. you know, when you talk about a, a versatile offensive weapon who can split out into the slot, right, he can play in space, he can explode up the seam, and he can separate, right? He's got fluid athleticism at his breaks. And, you know, at the catch point, too, he's probably the best catcher in the entire class, whether it's wide receivers or tight ends. You know, the reliability with which he uses his hands and extends beyond his frame, that's a guy where you're looking like, you know, He's got the athleticism for his size. He's got run-after catch ability. I don't care what he's labeled as. Get him in my offense and, you know, allow him to work with Josh Allen. That's a thought process that I think could be prevalent this year. Right now, I do think that there's a lot of varying molds with this tight end class, and that's something you need to consider as well. Like, you know, Darnell Washington for Georgia. He tested very well, right? He's massive, but you're not going to draft him to be that dynamic receiving threat because that's just not his game. You know, he's a lumbering mover. He's not a great separator. Mm-hmm. He's a clap catcher, right? So you need to take those nuances into account with every guy. That said, it is a deep tight end class, a lot of really plus athletes and some really great receiving threats as well, too. You know, I do think when where the value is there, right, I, I do think the teams could take that into account and say, like, hey, we just need a weapon. Let's see who's top on our board, whether it's tight end or wide receiver, and take them in. Ian, weird exercise. Final couple of things with you. Let's just say for – for argument's sake here, uh, Ian, I, I give you a dollar. I give you one dollar, and you have to put that dollar on any of these quarterbacks that could be taken in the first round. You have to place one dollar on the guy that you think is most likely to have a Hall of Fame career. Of these four guys, and you said it's close, but which guy would you put a dollar on to land in Canton one day eventually? That is tough, man. That is really tough because you need to, with that exercise, you need to. How about that for pressure, by the way, right? (laughs) I I know, right? Yeah. That's why I only gave you a buck. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I don't want to put too many tips in there. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough because, and it's kind of like the NFL draft, right? You know, like you need to be risk averse, but you also need to swing for the fences. Mm -hmm. The class where, you know, I could, if you asked me if Bryce Young or CJ Stroud would be a pro bowler, right? Like, hey, I'm, I, you know, I'd be relatively confident, right, if they land in the right situation. Yeah, they could be a pro bowler. The Hall of Fame is different. I mean, that's, that. you know, you've seen with Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, he's well on his way there. This is a guy who has transcendent tools as a passer. I mean, the arm elasticity, the mm-hmm. vision, right, the creative ability, right, the arm strength. You know, these these are things that he has that no one else does. And so with a Hall of Famer, you know, you got to look who has something that no one else does, right? So I think – Ultimately, it's tough, right? But if I had to pick a guy 
to really be a Hall of Famer shooting for the stars, you know, if I had to put a dollar on it, and thank God it's a dollar. <laughs> I wouldn't want to bet anymore. But Anthony Richardson, to me, would be the guy that I would bet on. Because, again, when you're looking for a Hall of Famer, who's the guy that has transcendent tools and, yeah. more importantly, is coming into an era of NFL football that I think is more attuned to his skill set. It's more open to molding a passer like him and building around him, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 10 to 15 years ago, you might have been hearing, like, time and time again, oh, moving to tight end, right? But now, you know, the versatility, the dynamic creation ability that Richardson provides is being more and more valued. So I could easily see, you know, a scenario where, you know, if anyone is going to reach that level, right? Like, see this job and Bryce Young, they could be pro bowlers. They could be all pros. But if I'm betting on a Hall of Famer, I'm betting on the guy who has the transcendent tools, you know, and to me that it's Richardson. I mean, you look at his size, six foot four, two forty, four four speed. He's a high energy athlete. He's not just a, a lumbering long strider. This is a guy who can make cuts in open space. He can make guys miss. He can barrel through contact. And as a passer too, he's got incredible arm strength, elasticity. He's got pretty good upper body mechanics actually. You know, I mentioned he needs to sync up earlier, but he does have a good release. You know, and I do think when you talk about projection, I think the mental building blocks are there. He's shown that he can read the middle of the field. He can go through progressions. He can navigate the pocket. He can anticipate and manipulate defenders with his eyes. Mm-hmm. I think all of those things are on tape. So build around that, you know, and build him up. And I think he could do something really special. So, again, there is some projection involved. But if I'm betting on a Hall of Famer, I'm going with the transcendent passer. I'm going with Anthony Richardson. There you go. I think we need more elasticity in this podcast. That's fantastic breakdown. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that, Ian, if you don't mind, because you're right. I mean, as soon as you said that, that describes Anthony Richardson. And we started with him, and now we book in this uh, conversation talking about that intriguing quarterback coming out of Florida. He's from Gainesville. We'll see what happens with the Indianapolis Colts sitting there at four and all of the dominoes that are going to fall in front of them. Ian, lastly, what are you writing about in the weeks leading up to the draft? And hype it up. Where can people find you and your work on draft weekend? How are you going to be covering the draft? Yes, sir. So, uh, you know, mainly right now we're doing scouting report updates, just making sure that we're cross-checking, reevaluating wherever we need to. But, but like I said before the call, most of the work is done. You know, for now it's just I have another mock draft, a three-rounder coming out this weekend, so keep an eye out on that. We'll kind of mix it up a bit for the Colts, see if we can get some more uh, projections in there. But that'll be up. You know, we'll have a live show during the draft. But right now we're just doing mock drafts, we're doing videos, stuff like that scouting report updates we'll have top 10 positional updates next week as well right so really it's just you know all the information that we've gathered to this point kind of gathering it together compiling it and synthesizing it and then just hanging on for the ride because all the preparing <laughs> that you do in the lead up to the draft the draft will spit in your face and say nope you thought wrong <laughs> that's so right it'll be, it, it'll be fun but uh it's yeah that's what we've got going on and my work you follow me at ic underscore draft on twitter yep. and pro football network is at pfn 365 yep let the chaos begin that's ian cummings nfl draft analyst at pro football network and as he just said on twitter at ic underscore draft pro football networks where you can find them ian thank you so much for the time it's always a pleasure to have you on uh, around draft season and uh, keep that phone on i hope we can do it again soon maybe after the draft always appreciate your time yes sir yes sir it's gonna be fun thank you